Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. Today, Lewis Carr is speaking with President Z. Scott, president of Chicago State University. The topic is the power of education. Ready? Let's get started. President Scott, welcome to Waymaker and uh, the interview that will give you an opportunity to sort of really tell our readers and our online users, number one, what you do every day, and number two, why this job, and what are some of the difficulties and challenges, but also what are some of the joys of running an institution like Chicago State? So uh, I'll start with, you are a lawyer by trade. Tell me about how you became president of Chicago State University. What was your journey? What was your path? So you're right. I am a lawyer, and I am now a university president in Chicago, Illinois. My career, uh, some people would say it had an upward trajectory. I'd say it was a lot of zigs and a lot of zags. Ultimately, here is why I'm here where I am. I spent my career, a lot of it in public service, and I spent some time on the board of trustees for Chicago State University. There, I developed a, a, a strong love for the institution because I grew up not that far from Chicago State. And then one day I looked at what I'd done as a lawyer. And many of those roles that I've had as a lawyer were leadership roles, including you know, running a state agency and you know, in my practice of law. And then I decided that there must be something else that I am supposed to do. And I thought about it and I understood that the job at Chicago State was open and I decided to put my name in the hopper for the job, thinking to myself, I know Chicago, I know Chicago State, maybe it's time for a leader with my experience to lead the institution. And the board of trustees agreed with me and I was unanimously, unanimously elected as the 12th permanent president of the university. So what, what type of lawyer were you uh, before you became president? I was, a, I was a partner in a law firm and a partner in a law firm is like running your own business. I had clients, I would help clients, specific kinds of matters. People call what, do what I did call it, a white collar lawyer. You know, I helped companies that had, you know, disputes with the federal government mainly. Uh, I did internal investigations for company. When a, when a major executive in the, inside of a company goes off the rails, they call a lawyer to come in and do an investigation. And all, that kind of practice came from my experience as a federal prosecutor. I was federal prosecutor for many years here in Chicago, where I represented the government in, in all kinds of criminal cases, usually directed at individuals and corporations. And I was able to take that skill and that experience and, and to help companies when they had disputes with the government. So what were some of your transferable skills from being a lawyer to running a university? First of all, lawyers know how to think and how to solve problems in a very logical, methodical way. The way they teach you in law school is like identify the issue. Where do you want to be in terms of your concluding the issue and then fill in the rest? I mean, that's how we think. And I've also had leadership opportunities. I was chair of the board of Chicago Housing Authority for a time. And like I said, I sat on the board of Chicago State. So those transferable skills that I had were, were leadership, 
uh, strategic understanding and how to manage strategy, uh, understanding capital infrastructure. That came from my time on the board of Chicago State, I mean, Chicago Housing Authority, looking at real estate issues. So I took all of that when it comes to, you know, skills, uh, network, uh, skills in real estate, skills in leadership, and skills in strategy. And that is the job, mostly. That's almost a job every day. When this issue comes out, it'll be uh, February, which is Black History Month. Give us the history of Chicago State and its impact on uh, the Black community and Black students in general. So first of all, Chicago State was founded in 1867. And its first location was a leaky rail car uh, uh, somewhere on the south side of Chicago. It was started as a teacher's college. And around the 1960s, the demographic and the appearance of Chicago State started to change. And it became a, a, it became a mostly Black institution. And today, Chicago State is, is uh, Illinois' only predominantly Black institution as defined by uh, the United States Department of, of uh, Education. Our, dem our demographic is, is we are 70% Black, 10% Latinx, uh, 4% uh, Asian, and, and other. And our, our students come from all over the country. We come from 36 different states and 28 different countries. And our students are mostly female. Uh, and most of them have, the majority of them have at least one dependent. So that, I mean, that's the sort of the backdrop of the Chicago State. But that doesn't tell the full story. 91% of our students come from Illinois. And the majority of them live below the poverty line, which means that it's a, it's a high need population when it comes to the financing people need to actually enter into college and to complete college. So that's the, that's the, that's the picture of the Chicago State student. But the, what that doesn't tell you is how successful our students are once they get that degree from Chicago State. We rank in the top 4% of all universities in this country in terms of economic mobility. Our degree has a proven value in it that it will move a student with a degree for a graduate up the economic ladder. So is Chicago State an HBCU? We are not an HBCU. But we look sometimes like one, we sound some like, sometimes like one. And in some respects, our population of black students exceeds the population of black students on some uh, HBCU campuses. Our campus, like I said, we're 70% black, but we are considered, we are not historically black. We are, it is, it is a definition that makes us predominantly black under the standards of the United States Department of Education. Historically, black colleges are, are controlled by when were you founded and for what reasons were you founded. Chicago State is black because of our population, predominantly black because of our population. So primarily, how is Chicago State serving the broader community in general? Chicago, I mean, that's part of our mission and our values and that to our core. I mean, we sit on 161 acres on the south side of Chicago. We're one of the largest employers on the south side of Chicago. And many of our employees uh, live uh, in the neighborhood where we sit. So that means that we're already, you know, uh, already contributing to the community. But we also do so much programming that benefits the community and the issues that impact 
primarily, you know, my black and brown communities. For example, we had a we had a program about a week ago where we had physicians, both black and brown physicians and community organizers, telling our community the facts that relate to COVID-19 and their health. When we had the riots and the looting in the, in the, in the, in the communities around us, Chicago State had a forum to support the rebuilding of small businesses, helping our business businesses regrow by giving them information about state and city services in order for them to rebuild. That is how we look at our mission. Not only do we have a mission that, that involves education, but we also have a mission that involves community service. You, you just mentioned COVID-19. How has it impacted uh, academic institutions in general? And specifically, how has it impacted Chicago State? You know, the impact of COVID-19, particularly when it comes to the Black community and the Brown community, not be, uh, uh, there's just no, sometimes there's some, is there are no words what it has done to our communities in terms of our health, our access to funding, our ability. I mean, it's going to take a minute. So here's how it's impacted higher education. First, how healthy is your campus? If someone comes on your campus, are you in a position to keep them healthy and safe and well during their experience while coming on your campus? If in a, during the period of COVID-19, students were instructed, don't come to the institution, you go home and study there because we're all going into a remote environment. What does that do for the student who doesn't have a computer, the student who doesn't have technology access, the student who depends on the library for a place to study and for a place to access the internet? It puts all that in a disarray. So the foundation for some of our students was shaken to the core. But, but in, in that pivot, what we did is that we made sure every student who needed technology and a computer had access to it. So and we made sure our campus was safe and healthy, signage, an operating plan that talked about social distancing and wellness. People coming to campus were required to train themselves on what it meant to be living during a pandemic on a college campus. And we took our dormitory, for example, we took it down to half the population so that everyone who lived there could have a single room. So it has impacted us significantly. No activities, no sports activities, no student activities, everything went into a virtual, a virtual landscape. And for many, that has been difficult. Before this semester started, People were surveying, what's going to happen to our students? What's going to happen to our students? And the people that were that were anticipated to be most impacted by the COVID-19 in higher education, the poor, black, brown, and those who had who, who were fragile health-wise to begin with. And what have we seen? We've seen, we've seen that impact. We see it in our students. We, most of our students, we've surveyed them. They said the issue is, how do I pay my rent? You know, how do I take care of my children? You know, so we've done all that we can to, to, to backstop some of these issues. For example, we have a quiet place for students to study on campus. We, you know, we have a food pantry on campus. Things that help our students get through. We have mental health uh, services on campus. Things that we are doing to help our students move through. 
So you had COVID-19, and then right on top of that, you had social injustices in this country with the death of George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey. How have you been able to sort of deal with that at the same time with dealing with COVID-19 and to keep students motivated, engaged, and everything else? It really is just, you know, making sure that you have an awareness. I've written, um, you know, I've written pieces that are, to, that are, you know, uh, distributed to our students about our awareness of these issues and our concern for them and our concern for our world. But the one thing that we, we do, we did, and that is we looked at how we can impact equity when it comes to black, black students. Because, and, and this is what I mean. In Illinois, the rate at which black students are going to college has dropped 29% in recent years. That means a crisis for Illinois when it comes to its workforce and a crisis for the black community when it comes to having an educated community. So what Chicago State did was convene an equity working group, statewide working group, that is led, being led by Chicago State, uh, a, uh, one of our Illinois senators, L.G. Sims, and the head of the Urban League here, as well as the uh, chair of the Board of Higher Education. This group, along with 40 other professionals, philanthropic groups, bring the people in who invest in education. Business leaders, bring the people in who think about what kind of workforce gonna look like in a few years and bring in educators. And we're spending the next four to five months studying how we improve access to higher education for black students. And I mean, that is an example of Chicago State leading on an issue of equity. So uh, as, a, as a lawyer, you, yeah. you're used to being in tough situations. Yes. COVID-19, social injustice. What is the toughest problem you've had to deal with since you've been in the position? Oh, wow. <laughs> there, you know, it's, you know, I, a, uh, running a university is like running a business, which you know a lot about. I mean, you have your typical problems of profit and profit and loss and, and structure and, 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 and labor. But I think that, you know, when you take all of that and you put it inside of higher education, it becomes much more personal. You know, for, 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 for me, you know, education is personal. And to see our students struggle to stay the course, to see our students have to choose between a book and food is, 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 uh, it, it's, it's impactful. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that our students have the resources to, to, to stay the course and to move forward to that degree. And that's the toughest problem we're having. It's really challenging students to stay making sure that you know that, that they, they know that we are here, we are listening, we are concerned and we are engaged because there's too much other noise that is competing for their attention. And so we are trying to drill into our students, stay the course, finish what you started, crush your goals. Those are, it's getting inside of that, getting students to make sure that they appreciate that mindset. So we hear you've got a strong pharmacy school there. Tell, tell us about that. 
Well, you know, Chicago State is number one in the Midwest for graduating diverse students in, with a doctoral degree in, in, in pharmacy. We have a, a strong uh, pharmacy program uh, that, you know, every day goes to work to make sure that there is diversity in the pharmaceutical industry. And so does, and students can enter at any point. You can enter pharmacy school after at Chicago State after two years of undergraduate education if you've taken the right prerequisites. You can enter after three years if you've taken the right prerequisites. The goal here is to build pharmaceutical scientists who look like you and me. It's an incredible thing. And, and how long has the, the pharmacy school been a leader in the Midwest? Is this something recent? No, it's not a recent statistic. I mean, that's why, that's what uh, you know, uh, really was the impetus for putting our, for putting our pharmacy school on Chicago State's campus. Where better can you put a, 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 uh, a premier education opportunity and making sure students have access to it in a place like Chicago State? What is the greatest need that the university has right now? Our greatest need is, is, is funding. Funding for a number of different things and in a number of different initiatives. You know, Chicago State, like most of many of our uh, sister public universities, we've been, a, we've been on campus since the 1970s and our buildings and our infrastructure have not changed much. But we wanna be able to make sure our students have access to world-class laboratories, and places of places of learning, so we you know, it is a huge need for us to update some of our scientific laboratories, update some of our scientific equipment, and to update some of our classrooms. Our infrastructure needs carry on to our sidewalks. You know, concrete is expensive, and we have you know we have we have a need for scholarship funding for our students. You know, it does it is not a crime to be poor. And it shouldn't, and, 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 and in your economic situation should not be what keeps you from getting a college degree. That shouldn't be the line that divides people, the have and the have nots. I cannot have an education because I can't afford to finish. So we really wanna make sure people are adequately funded to be able to come in, pay for books, pay tuition and finish. So besides tuition, where does Chicago State get some of its other funding from? We're a state institution. So a percentage of our funding does come from the state of Illinois. Uh, part, of our, part of our budget is supported by the state. That's a state institution. So people who will be reading uh, this journal and they said, I want to do something. I want to write a check. Uh, I want to do something. What would your advice to them be? You know, I would say to them, we have five colleges, College of Arts and Sciences, College of Business, the College of Health Sciences, College of Pharmacy, and the College of Education. Get to know us. You know, if you are interested in making a contribution where you will see an immediate return on your investment, think about investing in Chicago State University you will see an immediate return in terms of a student's access and ability to, 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 to move forward in their lives. So I would, uh, you know, you want, if, you, if you want to go big, put your name on one of our buildings, you know? 
you know, think about what your legacy would be if you were to have a building named after you, after you at Chicago State University. Put your name on one of our classrooms that you renovated that, that gave our students broader access to a quality education. Finance, you know, some of our freshmen coming in in the program that we call the RISE Academy, where we're offering students a free tuition freshman year, no, no fees, no cost in books, and no cost in tuition. Think about supporting some of our RISE scholars through that program. There are multiple ways to support Chicago State. So if resources were no issue, what is the next college you would open up on campus there? You know, if resources were no issue, I would, I would expand, expand our, you know, College of Education to make sure that we had a state-of-the-art preschool and, um, uh, you know, uh, grammar school program that would give students a leg up when it comes to a quality uh, edu if education. If resources were no issue, I would renovate, I would build a building that would support our D1 athletic program. So our students would have on-campus resources for practice and play. You know, if resources were no issue, we would have, be able to support our community with a hotel on our campus because there is no hotel on the south side of Chicago, south of the neighborhood called Hyde Park. You know, if resources were, were no issue, we would build a, a, a new science building that would support cutting edge research that our, our faculty manages to get done despite some of the challenges in our resources. Those are some of the things that I would do. So uh, let's say you had a dinner with Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, and Bill Gates, the three richest men in this country. What would you discuss with them and what would you ask them for? First of all, I would talk to them about the value of education and what and how it can change a life and how it can, can change a community and how it can change a city. Ask each of them individually to donate a significant sum of money to Chicago State in the form of an endowment or in the form of a building, uh, in the form of, you know, jobs and for our students and training for our students through their executive, their executive teams. But it would start with educating them on the value of education when it comes to our, our Black and Brown communities. And then it would evolve into, based on that conversation and ask, for resources. Same question, different dinner. Good. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> Robert Smith, Bob Johnson, and Oprah Winfrey. What would that dinner be like and what would you ask them for? First of all, I would talk to them about really shining a spot, using their platforms and their to, to shine a spotlight on Illinois' only predominantly black institution. You know, that would be our first part of our conversation. Again, introducing them to the value of the Chicago State. Then I would talk to them individually about investing in Chicago State through their, through their networks and through their media and through their, their, their philanthropic dollars. You know, a lot of people are, you know, and, and, and I 
And I'm, I'm grateful for the money that is flowing into our HBC, HBCU institutions. It is long overdue. But think about this, one in 10 people, one in 10 black people with a, with a degree in Illinois got it from Chicago State. That tells you the value of a Chicago State in Illinois. And so when I talk to Oprah and when I talk to Bob Johnson, I would say to them, think about what your contribution does for black people in Illinois. If we, as a small, one of the smaller public institutions is able to almost carry one-tenth one of all of the degrees in this state, what an investment from you would do in terms of a, the attendance and the support for the black community. That's what I would say. So I'm, I'm big on visionaries, right? Yeah. What is your long-term vision for Chicago State? Well, first of all, um, academic institutions are often the cornerstone for economic development. And we have entered into a memorandum of understanding with the city of Chicago about potential for the city and, and Chicago State to combine to promote economic development in, on the southeast side of Chicago. So that is my vision is that in about two years, 95th Street, where we sit, will not look like 95th Street anymore. There will be commerce. There will be thriving businesses. There will be new homes being built that are being supported by the commerce and economic development activity in, along that corridor. And that is, that is my, one of my visions. My vision is also that in the next five years, Chicago State will be one of the top 100 public institutions in this country uh, based on you know, contributions and research and, 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 and uh, our growth. That is the, that, those are two, two major visions that I have for the institution. How do we keep uh, young people uh, engaged and excited about getting a college degree when so much is happening and being so distractive in the world today? We did a good job uh, with the presidential election, uh, getting people out to vote. You know, I think every, you know, responsible black leader in this country, no matter what field they're in, understood the importance of getting young black people out to vote. How do we do that for young black people today who need education? How do we get them excited and engaged uh, and understand the real importance of education to them today? We invest our time early. We don't, to, don't wait till junior year in high school and say you have to have a plan. We start talking about college in, in first grade. We start talking, we start showing academic excellence in first grade. People, they start seeing people that look like us in first grade. I mean, most of us, many of, uh, I mean, it, it is no, it, it is no, uh, people know that the teaching profession has, has lost a number of its black teachers. There's a shortage of black and brown teachers in, in public education. And we have to do something about that. And we're doing something about that at Chicago State. 
because we are offering a four-year free ride for anyone black or brown interested in a career in education. So I, so I think that we, we do what we can to make sure people see people that look like them and we invest in, in, in early, you know, early introduction to what the, the pathway, what do I have to do next in order to stay, to, to stay on this path? So we just had a, a major historical event. Uh, the first uh, black female VP of this country as a female leader uh, with a university that's majority females uh, who look like her. What does that mean to you, to the university, and to all those young females that you lead at Chicago State? You know, the people always say you can't be what you can't see. And now people see, first of all, someone coming from a predominantly black institution is now going to be in the White House. This experience includes uh, pledging a, a black sorority is now going to be in the White House. Someone who uh, went to law school and then went into public service is now going to be in the White House. So there are all these things that are typically not open to women, particularly black women, that we see in, in, in Kamala Harris. So I think it's going to be a tremendous women and girls. Have you seen pictures of young girls watching her on television? I mean, they are, they are, they are rooted and fascinated by what they see in front of them. And I've seen pictures posted like that all over social media where girls, young girls just stopped and took a look at the screen. You remember that doll experiment where, you know, Thurgood Marshall was trying to really bring on the point of, of what happens when you don't see yourself? What, become your, what becomes your preferences in terms of people and experience? And they saw the black, doll, the, the black young girl picking the white doll as the good doll. But with Kamala Harris, we can, our children can think differently and make different choices about how, this, how I can be this. So I'm very excited for, the, for what our future. And for, you know, we, we, went, through a, we went through a little bit of a, a rough patch here. But one thing people have to say, you know, is that democracy works. So March is Women's History Month. Okay. Uh, as a female leader, who are three women that impacted you and motivated you to where you are today? First of all, I would say, uh, first of all, my mother. My mother was an educator and she retired as a high school librarian. She was a major influence in my life. My grandmothers from whom I, who were what they call colored maids, who worked in, 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 what the, in, in, in a cleaning position in the South, in the homes of other white families, but who taught me a good job is nothing to be ashamed of, that you can be anything you wanna be in this country and, a love for the a love for God, 
So I got that early from my grandmothers. And the third person, it becomes really difficult now. It becomes very hard. You know, I would say that, you know, in my experience as a lawyer, I came into a profession at a time when it's, it's still not diverse. Law is the least diverse profession. But one person who I've always admired, who was such a role model to me is Ann Williams. Ann Williams is a federal, was a federal judge here in Chicago. She was the first black woman to, 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 to hit the bench, federal bench here in Chicago. She was the first black to ever person, person to be on the appeals court here in Chicago. And she was always took time to reach back and support other black female lawyers. And she's had a significant impact on my career as a lawyer. So for the people who want to give and who want to do something to sort of help and uh, Chicago State, how can they do that? Well, we have a, uh, a, a, a institutionally affiliated foundation, the Chicago State Foundation, and they support our, they support our institution in, in, a, in a meaningful, in meaningful way. And a, 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 a well-run and a very active foundation with an incredible executive director. So the student, you can, you can give through the foundation. If you want to set up your own Facebook, you know, donation, you can do that to Chicago State Foundation. If you want to reach out to me directly, um, my, my email address is on the website. You know, reach out to me directly and I can connect you with your foundation or you and I can have a conversation with anyone interested in supporting Chicago State. As I said before, when you talk about real return on investment that will change lives, change communities, change states and change cities, it is education. And Chicago State is in the business of education. Right, this, is, this has been great. Is there anything else that you wanna leave our, our readers with about you and Chicago State? First of all, I want to, you know, I, I, I appreciate your, this conversation with you, Lewis. Thank you for giving me the opportunity just to sit and chat with you. Uh, and, and as always, you are innovative and remarkable. Uh, but what I want to say to people is like, when you think about the power of education, Chicago State is number two in the country in graduating Black students with degrees in physics. Imagine that. Our students have the, have the opportunity to travel and learn across the world. Giving that opportunity to a Black student in Chicago, wouldn't that, isn't that an incredible legacy? So I want people to think about how can I support my community in a way that is meaningful? I want people to think about it in, in terms of higher education. So that's, that's my closing remark. I cannot tell you how important, um, you know, an opportunity like this is to really tell our story and to really make sure we shine a light on what can really help our community move past the experiences that we are having right at this moment. Thank you for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and President Z. Scott. What was your favorite insight that was shared today? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. And remember, you can get your first six months of Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com and subscribe to Waymaker Fireside Chat wherever you get your podcast.